0: Welcome to Marketing Automation Week on the MarTech Podcast.
1: This week, we're going to talk about how to build a more efficient marketing flytrap. With us today is Marwa Greaves, who is the Director of Marketing and Global Messaging at HubSpot. HubSpot is a leading CRM platform that provides software and support to help businesses that want to grow better, and their platform includes marketing, sales services, and website management products that start free and scale to meet their customers' needs at any stage of growth. And outside of being a wonderful platform for marketers, they are also a sponsor of the MarTech Podcast. So far this week, Marwa and I have talked about how to figure out what to automate, a couple of the rules about email marketing automation. Yesterday, we talked about bot marketing automation. And today, we're going to continue the conversation talking about bringing the people into the process. How do you automate the marketing and sales handoff? All right, here's the fourth installment of Marketing Automation Week with Marwa Graves from HubSpot. Marwa, welcome back to Marketing Automation Week on the MarTech Podcast.
2: Thank you so much.
1: Excited to have you back and to continue our conversation. I think of marketing automation as the tool that we use so people can relax. But at some point here, we can't just automate everything. We have to bring the people into the conversation. Let's talk a little bit about when we're connecting our marketing automation technologies to people and how we bring them back into the workflow. Talk to me about the sales and marketing handoff and where marketing automation plays a role in that.
2: So we talked about this a bit earlier this week, but this is really something where we took the lead from our frontline sales team. And we said, what are the questions that you ask every single prospect when they come in via live chat or they come in through our inbound phone line? And so there were three or four questions that they always ask that was easy for us to automate. So name, website, email, what are you looking to get out of the conversation today? And those were things that were easy for us because we know that they worked well. We know that it was necessary in order for us to be able to route those prospects to our internal teams. And that's really where we started. We started to just, like we talked about earlier, make sure that we could automate the repetitive tasks being the repetitive questions that they asked at the beginning of every single conversation.
1: So it seems like when you're going through the marketing automation process, you know, yesterday we talked about bot marketing automation and the day before we talked about email marketing automation. And those are two pretty dramatically different platforms, email being asynchronous and bot marketing automation is something that, you know, people are looking for real time data. I understand the, hey, we've reached the end of the road. This person seems like they are interested in talking to sales. Let's send the sales team a notification to have them reach out and have a personal touch. When you're thinking about marketing automation with bots and somebody is looking for real-time information and they're ready to talk to sales, how do you manage that process knowing that you know the sales team isn't up 24-7 all the time at every business?
2: So you need to give them a way out or a way to accomplish the task, even if it's not exactly as they were expecting. One of the things that we do on the weekends or when our sales team is offline is we allow them to book a meeting. And we basically have a bot or a workflow that says, okay, if it's during off hours, if nobody is available, then send them down this workflow that allows them to book a meeting and or email our team. So you need to make sure that if people aren't available, if they're off hours that you a apologize, because people are obviously expecting, you may have prospects or customers that are in APAC and they are awake in the middle of the night and they are expecting to hear from somebody and they're probably used to not having real time human. And you still want to make sure that you're creating a delightful experience, even if you can't be there live to actually handle that conversation.
1: So it seems like there's a couple of outs here where it's, you can book a meeting, give somebody a Calendly link or whatever the platform you're using to do your calendar management. I don't know why Calendly sticks up to mind. It just seems like that's the tool most people are using these days. <laughs> I use Mixmax personally. Give somebody a link, allow them to book the meeting, allow them to write their message. You know, Once they've completed that action, if they're still hoping to talk to a person in real time, how do you manage that experience?
2: So one of the things that we do is understanding that we are going to miss chats. We're going to miss expectations of people wanting to talk directly with a human. Maybe they booked a meeting. We also have our sales team actively reach out on the Monday morning after missing those chats over the weekend. So that's where we are still invested in that outbound outreach. And we say, sorry, I missed you over the weekend. Sorry, I missed you last night if it's over a time that somebody doesn't hear. But we also do staff kind of 24-7. I mean, HubSpot's a larger company. We have offices around the world. So we do make sure that we are staffed properly by volume so that we are missing as few chats as possible. I think there's also a delight moment here too. So you give people the option to book a meeting and then you also say, "Well, what were you looking to accomplish? Can I give you a case study? Can I offer you a piece of content offer a way for them to stay engaged, stay interested in your product so that that conversation can continue to happen. And make sure that when your sales rep is following up on that Monday, they know the page that that person was chatting in from so they can at least have an informed discussion.
1: I think that's important that understanding the context of what the user experience was when they were interacting with the bot, which emails they received. So how are you coaching your sales team to understand what experience the customer has, what messages they've received, basically where they are in the sales cycle?
2: Well, this is where a really great CRM like HubSpot comes in handy. So our ISC team, um, our inbound sales coaches, What they do is they always refer back to that contact record. So what were the last actions that that person took on our website? What email did they open? What page were they viewing? And that way they can get an understanding. And there's been so much training and so much great training on the sales side to understand how to have an informed conversation. What are the things that you're looking for? What are the actions that that person took so that you can have an informed discussion about what action they were trying to take, whether that was, okay, they were on a couple of our products pages. Maybe they were confused about which products or which features are right for them and their business. Tailor the questions that way so that you can have an informed discussion, ones that feels personal to the prospect or customer that you're speaking to.
1: Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Next. Now, not every company's sales process is as simple as, all right, someone has asked to reach out to sales. We're going to connect them to one of our AEs. Often there's an SDR, there's a vetting process that goes into actually talking to somebody that is a decision maker. How does marketing automation handle the scenario where there are multiple steps in the process where you're basically handing a lead to multiple people as opposed to just lobbing it over the fence to a salesperson?
2: This is where different forms of marketing automation is really helpful. So what happens at HubSpot is we collect upfront information via the bot. If that person is interested in speaking with a member of our sales team, we hand them over to our frontline sales team. If it is a simple purchase and this person knows what they want, they've done their research. And I know we're talking about international in an upcoming episode, but one of the things that we found in Germany, for example, is our buyers are really well-educated. They usually come to us knowing what they want. Okay, here's a touchless purchase link. Go ahead and buy. You don't need me to be in your way. Go ahead and do that. We also have automation. If it's a more complex purchase and that frontline sales team needs to hand off to a member of our more senior sales team, There's also a form that they fill out that notifies that sales rep. There's a rotation process where that prospect gets assigned to a more senior sales rep and that conversation is booked. So there are different levels of automation at each stage, but also that's when we recognize, okay, this is a more complex conversation. This actually requires a human-led sales motion where we need to get out of the way other than that internal automation of form field is filled out and rep notification is sent.
1: I feel like there's two ways that this can go. One is, Hey, this person is really educated on our product. Here's the buy direct link. You don't have to actually go through the sales process. And the other one is, Oh my God, it's a VIP. It's a whale. They're on our ABM list. (laughs) What do you do when somebody goes through your marketing automation system that indicates that they are truly a VIP?
2: We are lucky enough to have a great data science team. So this is where we really lean on them and data science and something that we call propensity scores to say, okay, we both know that they have been marked as a high value prospect or customer. We also allow our sales reps to mark prospects as such. And we also know that they have a high propensity to buy. This is where we have actually what we call a fast pass to sales that means that we don't try and disrupt that conversation with any automation. We don't try and send them knowledge-based articles. We actually just try and get them human help as soon as possible. So we're using intelligence within that bot to look for words like pricing for products. We're using some of that data science and some of those inputs to make a more informed marketing automation decision. I will tell you, it has taken years for us to build up that level of intelligent routing. But it is something that when you want to build trust with your sales team and when you lose trust with your sales team, an easy way to do it is to take one of those heavy hitting prospects and create a poor experience for them.
1: So you mentioned the relationship with sales, notoriously a picky group of people to work with, generally pointing the finger at us marketers as the problem as opposed to part of the solution. It's even enough to make a movie Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, you know, (laughs) coffee is for closers. They always want the good leads. It's marketing's fault. I go on forever about some of the conflicts between sales and marketing. How can marketing automation improve the relationship between sales and marketing and get everyone on the same page?
2: We haven't figured it out exactly at HubSpot, but what we have done, and I think there's always going to be instances where automation fails you and automation doesn't do as it needs to do. And that's why it's a highly experimental field. I mean, you need to be able to fail fast, fix it and then move on. But that starts with building trust with your sales team. And I think if you have that trust upfront, then some of those failed automation actions, which are bound to happen at any company of any size, It can feel much easier to get through because you've already built trust with sales kind of from the beginning, whether that's through shared goals, whether that's saying, Hey, we're looking to understand what are the most repetitive tasks that you wish someone would just take off your plate. If you get some of those wins early on and you build trust with your sales team, we have shared goals. Like I had mentioned with our frontline sales team in terms of response rate, normally that's a sales rep led KPI in terms of, okay, how quickly do we want to respond? we have that shared goal. So that means if you're not responding as quickly as you think we should be, maybe we're sending you too many low quality chats that you actually can't get to the high quality ones. So that's why we have a shared goal. So that means that every time we're not hitting those shared goals, it's a joint discussion of, Hey, what can marketing do to solve this? And what can sales do to solve this? And this is the first time that I've worked at a company where sales and marketing have those shared goals on response time, We have shared goals on the percentage of chats that we are passing to our more senior sales team. So the quality of those chats, and it's just been really helpful so that when issues arise, as they do, when you're not hitting goals, as you will, it's a joint conversation. It's a collaborative discussion. And I haven't necessarily had that in the past at other companies.
1: I think part of the secret sauce here is talking to your sales team about what type of leads they want. And figuring out what your rules and the marketing automation system that's going to filter out the leads that sales does not feel is qualified right if they get a part in setting up the rules and you're describing to them what the automation system is and how and why someone ends up in their inbox they're going to have more trust and faith in the leads that you're sending them now The connection between marketing automation and people isn't always marketing to sales. Often there is things like marketing automation to a content team, marketing automation to a customer service team. Are the relationships different when you're using marketing automation to manage customer relationships outside of sales?
2: Absolutely. I think they're different, but you can approach them similarly when it comes to understanding goals first. And I think depending on if you're going to another marketing team, because a lot of the times we are looking to put some type of marketing automation or say a QL driver on our top of the flywheel programs. And we can say, okay, let me understand what your North Star goal of this content offer of this tool is. Usually it might be free signups for HubSpot or content leads. And we can approach it from an experimental process. And I would say that for every case is say, We have an idea, this is the data to back up that idea to allow us to at least run this as an experiment. We want to include you. We want to understand that at the bottom line, what we are trying to solve for is revenue for the business and or a delightful customer experience. Those are usually two things that any team can get behind. It's pretty rare that you're going to go to a team and say, hey, I want to improve the customer experience. And someone's going to be like, "Mm, no, we don't think so. That sounds
1: like a lot of work.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I want to make the company more money. Those are usually two goals people can get behind. But I would approach it from an experimental standpoint. I don't think there is any case where you can approach those conversations as we are looking to productize and roll out this automation program that will change the way that we acquire leads. That's not going to go over well but we have put a process in place alongside actually our growth product group. We took the same template that they use in terms of how to run experiments And we include our stakeholders in that process. So we write experiment docs, we get feedback, we run things as experiments, we do readouts of those experiments after we reach statistical significance, and then we come up with conclusions and next best actions as a collaborative team. And I think that even though the goals might be different between internal teams, the way that you should approach those conversations should be fairly similar.
1: How do you avoid making a marketing automation system that is complex enough that it intimidates either your sales, your customer service, your content team? How much marketing automation is too much?
2: We run into this quite a bit. So you'll actually notice it, I think, on the marketing side, when you feel like you are spending so much time segmenting your lists to death, trying to find, okay, we are segmenting by employee size, we're segmenting by job title, we're segmenting by industry. And the return that you're seeing in terms of increases of QLs by creating these kind of unique approaches or automated experiences based on segmentation, you actually kind of need to look at it in terms of time spent. And we've actually pulled back a lot, especially on the email side, in terms of how we think about what is successful marketing automation. And what are the three things that we know we need to answer really well up front in terms of automation? And then how can we get them to a human if they have additional questions? So we've actually simplified our approach a bit, and we've looked at it in terms of time spent. And if you look at really good automation, it's that you are not just that you're becoming efficient in terms of replacing headcount with automation, but you're doing it in a delightful way. And you're doing it in a way that's scalable. And so there are a couple of different things that you'll want to look at there in terms of efficiency gains, in terms of an NPS or a way to measure that successful experience, and also just speaking with your own internal teams of how much time is this taking you? Is this this automation actually really helping you, or does it wind up being more upfront work?
1: There is some intuition when you're setting up your marketing automation system, whether something is working or not. Obviously, you could be data-driven, look at your NPS score, I've always found that, you know, you set up an automation, you feel if it works or if it doesn't, because it just creates more problems if it's not an elegant solution. And I'm sure that the other teams that you're working with will feel the same thing as well. So that wraps up this episode of the MarTech podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Marwa Graves, Director of Marketing and Global Messaging at HubSpot. If you'd like to hear more of Marwa and HubSpot's tips for effective marketing automation, we're going to publish our last episode of the series tomorrow. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and check back with us tomorrow morning when we talk about internationalizing your marketing automation. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to get in touch with Marwa, you can find a link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact her on Twitter. Her handle is Marwa Greaves, M-A-R-W-A-G-R-E-A-V-E-S. Or you can visit her company's website, which is HubSpot.com.